RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. My name is Ryan Jensen. I am one of the pastors here at Roswell Presbyterian, and uh, we are very glad to have you uh, watching here. And uh, just as a reminder, what we do during this time is to uh, interview the preacher who preached the last sermon uh, and take a deeper dive into uh, what was uh, intended, what that sermon was designed to do, uh, what that sermon wanted to say to us. Uh, And it's my privilege uh, to be talking to our uh, lead pastor, head of staff, uh, Jeff Myers, today uh, to ask him uh, about the second Sunday in Advent. Um, We are talking about living traditions. And Jeff, uh, you chose uh, on this Sunday to talk about, uh, we we did wreaths the first first Sunday, Uh, this Sunday, uh, hymns and carols. That's right. And I'm glad uh, with listening. That. I, I was like, I'm glad you said that. I'm like, what did we preach on on Sunday? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, hymns, uh, which is indeed a living tradition. And I was thinking, you know, the living tradition, that phrase is kind of uh, paradoxical, which I think you you mentioned um, with that quotation. What is it again? Well, I used two this past Sunday, but. It's uh, the famous Yale historian, Yaroslav Pelikan. He used to say, traditionalism is the dead faith of the living and tradition is the living faith of the dead. And then I added Alistair McIntyre, who is a philosopher at Notre Dame, his um, statement that tradition is a conversation across time. And I, I love that because, and what why am I bringing up like historians and philosophers? Well, because in a postmodern context that we live in, we're especially in America, we're very suspicious of tradition. We're very suspicious. We think about the future. We think about innovation. We think about the novel and the new moving forward. And it's hard for us to look back. And, and when we look back, there's a lot of stuff we don't like. And so we feel like we just move forward. And my argument, and I think some of these philosophers arguments is we can learn a lot from the past. We don't have to take it all. We don't have to be just like we were in the past, but we have to let our past inform who we are today so we can move into the future. And I think Christmas is a time where people, it's one of those positive examples where people want to hold on to the good of that. Um, You know, I came here from a smaller church uh, and we found that at Christmas time, uh, some of these people that went to these, you know, much, much larger churches uh, that had 
uh, you know, more of a modern only worship service. They they wanted to come to us to have that quaint little, you know, silent night, hold the candle up uh, Christmas time uh, because that was important to them. You know, it, it kind of, whether they experienced them, themselves as children or saw it in a movie or something like that, they, they wanted to, to kind of have that. Um, but, but then, you know, worship starts and, uh, rather than launching right into, uh, some of the classic carols or the songs that we sing, uh, you, you brought up Pink Floyd <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I wondered like, where, where, where is this going? So <laughs> had you ever heard of anybody watching, uh, or listening to Pink Floyd with, um, uh, the Wizard of Oz? I think I heard about that a long time ago, but I never, I never tried it or I never, uh, experimented, you know. To see if they really synced up like you you said they did, <laughs> they, and I was never much of a uh, Pink Floyd fan, but Pearl Jam, you know, uh, it, it kind of gets to your point of music moves us. Uh, Pearl Jam came onto the scene uh, my freshman year of college. Oh wow! So you think about what music does, what it what it points back to uh and the memories or the experiences you had uh when you were listening to that music and it can either make you you know reminisce uh or it can make you you know sorrowful or you know like i remember the idiotic things that my fraternity brothers and i did when we were listening to pearl jam so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes i was a little younger when pearl jam came out i think i was in middle school and, yeah. you know, I was living in Washington State, you know, on the other side of the state when grunge was exploding in Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and all these great bands. All of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I had the opportunity, you know, uh, um, you know, Pearl Jam, they, I always liked them because they were kind of of the people. They, you know, you run into, I, I mean, I ran into Stone Gossard, the one of the guitar, the rhythm guitarist for Pearl Jam and met him. He's a super nice guy. I had friends who hung out with Eddie Vedder. Like, they're like, he's the only rock star that would call me back. I'd leave him a message and he'd go, hey man, what's going on? And just like down to earth. And it was, uh, it was just really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That whole era. I think, I think there were so many great albums released right at that same time, but that's probably a, a conversation for another time. We'll have to set that aside. Well, I think, right. I mean, I think to my point and to the, I think about a living tradition, it's like when you hear even flow come on the radio, you're taken back to oh, like yeah. your freshman year of college. You're like, and I intentionally, I don't know about you. I intentionally now, We'll put a soundtrack. I keep a soundtrack for my year. So I have Spotify playlists and probably for the last 10 years, maybe even longer, I, I keep my favorite songs of that year in a playlist. So mm -hmm. if I'm like, what was I doing in 2016? I can go back and listen. So when my, when my wife and I just got married, I was living out uh, outside San Francisco. I had this playlist and anytime like there's a, like three or four songs that'll come on. I'll be like, I'm in the coffee shop. I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to Alcatraz. I'm like, it takes me back, even though it, it, for music, it just, it, it has that way of transporting us. You know, on a day like today, uh, even flow comes on the radio and I'm driving my car. Uh, I'm probably going to go, you know, 10 miles an hour faster. You know, it just revs you up where compared to, uh, you know, the glory of Christmas, uh, concert that we just had Sunday night. Uh, I think on my way home, I was listening to, uh, 
NPR and there was, you know, some kind of like New Orleans jazz slash blues from, you know, back in the day, you know, so that kind of, in that misty rain, you know, cold weather kind of just kind of met the moment. So, yeah. uh, which I think is another thing you did a great job of, which is pointing to the fact that, you know, music does so many different things and in scripture, uh, it, it's the same. And it made me remember, um, in one of my former churches, I had a lady who, uh, she said, she asked me before the, the service started, she said, is this sermon going to be uplifting? Huh. And I said, well, it's going to address some, some difficult things, uh, because, you know, it's going to relate to scripture and, and the scripture itself is addressing some difficult things. And she said, well, I feel like every sermon should be uplifting. And if it's not going to really be uplifting today, I'm just going to go ahead and go home. And and she did. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's true. And I, and I think that's what you kind of drew out of that sermon is that, you know, if you're being honest uh, in reading scripture, uh, you know, for what it is, uh, there are moments when these songs are not always songs of joy or songs of praise or songs of, uh, you know, that are designed to uplift uh, the fullness of the Psalms, for example. Yeah, that that's a great point. And I think um, I was just I was talking to a guy on Friday who's not a churchgoer, not not related to RPC, lives in my neighborhood. And, you know, he's just like they're he's like, you're a pastor. Like, what is this? Like I, I found religion to be, uh, you know, the religion I experienced in my childhood filled me with guilt and shame and all this. And he was kind of curious about how I could be religious. And I, I said, well, in my mind, you've got to find a way to deal with life, both the positives, we might say the light side of life and the dark side of life. And because to live just in like, Panglossian optimism is is not reality. If you're just always optimistic about everything, people just are you're just like, are you living in a dream world, man? But then also you can't get down in despair. Like you can't be just totally sunken. You've you and you've got to but wrestle with both of these. And I think my Christian faith lets me wrestle with despair, but mm. then never lets despair have the last word. And I think. Um, that's what we see in the resurrection and, you know, Christ's death, uh, you know, uh, and resurrection. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love the, the, the music of scripture, because it's, it's got a blues sensibility. It's not afraid to get to the minor notes. It's not afraid, um, to wrestle with the, the, the tough, um, you know, the, the unholy trinity of death, you know, despair and disease. Right. And, um, but my Christian faith doesn't let those things have the last word. I can still be a person of hope. Yeah, well, that's how you uh, started the sermon off with um, Luke, right? Where he, uh, the the story of uh, good news of great joy, the the heavenly host. Yep. And I, I guess they're they're singing, right? Well, that's actually kind of a funny uh, thing you bring up, Ryan. Maybe you you read that closely. So I had to do some investigation because initially I, my sermon was going to explore how the angels, the heavenly hosts are singing, but it's clear they, uh, they use the Greek word, I think a legothai and like Lego, uh, we get word where it's the root word is logos. So we get, um, you know, various, uh, English words out of that. 
And right. so it's it it is explicitly they say they say uh, you know glory to God you know all this and uh, but it's where uh, hark the herald angels sing you know uh, the great Wesleyan uh, uh, carol that we sang I talked a little about the history that we we hear that song and we read into the scripture passage in Luke two that the heavenly hosts are singing it but actually they're saying it so I just. I just didn't address it because I was like, this is going to take me too far afield. <laughs> but uh, our perceptive listeners like you uh, uh, notice that. <laughs> it, it is true. Uh, it's funny that a lot of these, uh, whether it's a Christmas Carol or Charlie Brown's Christmas or whatever it is, they, they inform what we what we think we know about scripture. But oftentimes it's just not there. It's just not there. Like well, the Magi. Maybe actually, there were two, maybe there were 10. You know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's a great point. And the thing was, for me, it was kind of serendipitous because I, I initially went in thinking the sermon was going to be one thing. And then I'm, I, I'm reading closely the text I'm, and I do my investigation. I'm like, uh-oh, they're not singing, they're saying. And then I go, well, is Scripture, is, is scripture against singing? Where else is it? Because in my mind, we are a musical people. We, we believe in singing and making. And so it sent me on this investigation through Scripture to find out, oh, okay, just because the angels doesn't don't sing doesn't mean God is against singing. Uh, right. but there's plenty of music. Uh, it's uh, for edification to express ourselves, and it's all throughout Scripture. Yeah, I think that was something else you kind of teased out of the sermon um, is that uh, you know Scripture is not meant to be read in a monotonous, monotone, monochrome kind of way. I think. Oftentimes we address it and, you know, we, we read it grimly or gravely, you know, with serious intent. And there are parts of it that are designed to be, uh, you know, address mourning or pain or grief or joy. But also there's probably some stuff in there that's supposed to be humorous. Yes. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think the book of Jonah, you know, when we we read it just with a straight face, we're missing the whole point. You know, this is supposed to be a really funny story. Exactly. I I totally agree with you. And there's a, a lot of humor that's in between the lines if you have uh, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Yeah, I just need to read over it a few times. Um, so what are some of the other ways? I think one of the refrains you had in the sermon was music moves us. So how do you think that that affects people when we put it side by side with with scripture and liturgy and the other parts of worship that we do and people walk in and they're experiencing you, you never know where they are um you know are they coming in from a place of just um i'm filled with joy or grief or i'm filled with you know just indifference yeah. uh, so so what is what is worship supposed to do? So okay, so okay, let me step back. I believe human beings. I'm with John Calvin. That human beings are worshiping creatures, okay, and that our entire lives are an act of worship, and we worship various things, okay. Um, when we don't worship God revealed in Jesus Christ, it's called idolatry, and so. What we do for that hour when we come into the worship service on a Sunday morning, let's say in the sanctuary, we are practicing what we should be doing the rest of the week. You know, we're confessing our sin. We're, we're forgiving others, forgiving ourselves, 
we're giving praise. We're some we're asking for things. God help. Um, and then we have the sending, the benediction. Go out in the power of the Spirit now from what you've heard and what you've experienced, and go and do. And so, what we do on the Sunday for that hour is what we should be doing the rest of the week. You know, yeah. we should be we should be generous. You know, we tithe, give our offerings, um, not just to support the church, although we need to do that, but also to become people that are generous the rest of the week, so that when we go, should I tip that person eleven percent or twelve percent? You know. Um, you know, we get kind of like finicky and persnickety about, no, be a generous person. How can you bless somebody? How can you open their eyes and go, wow, there is sure grace and generosity in the world. And that's what I think um, we should be practicing. And so I think music really helps us do that um, and moves us in ways that are not necessarily rational or mental. They're more of, of the body. Of, of 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 the soul of the, the words of, uh, of the spirit and that's where i think music really uh really speaks to us and moves us uh in worship yeah that reminds me that carrying it forward not just doing this during this you know one hour uh, reminds me of the season of lent you know we often uh trap ourselves by saying you know we're going to do this thing that either, uh, you know, brings us closer to God in some way for 40 days. And at the end of 40 days, we'll stop doing it. It's right. like, no, no, like it's, it's supposed to layer over the years. You know, it's, it's not a 40 day experiment, just like worship is not a one hour experiment. It's something that's supposed to, you know, inform our faith, you know, inform who we are as human beings and, uh, you know, what our relationship with God looks like. Yeah. You say that, it reminds me of the uh, professor who is at Colum- uh, Columbia Seminary now, and he was a friend of mine that we were in seminary together. And when he was doing his PhD at Emory, we were talking, and I was like, man, I was like, the last last night's sermon I gave was just terrible. It was like, I could, t- it was so boring. Um, there was nothing in it. Uh, I just I felt, oh, I was so low. I just, I maybe I should go like do something else. If there was anything else I could do, I would do it, that kind of thing. And he goes, hey, man. He's kind of like, quit feeling sorry for yourself. He's like, he's like, how many sermons do you actually remember? And I thought to myself, and I've had some great, I've, I've been in the audience and congregation with some awesome preachers over the years. Yeah. And I was like, uh, very few. I remember maybe an anecdote or two or, you know, a good, uh, a good quote, but I don't really remember very many sermons. And he says, yeah, neither do I. He says, the thing is, it's not one sermon. It's the constant Every week, slowly by slowly, you're going to be transformed and grow in Christ. But that doesn't, that rarely happens all at once. You know, it happens. Well, it's like, you know, algebra and calculus and all that. I, I, I can't tell you, I couldn't remember a teacher or a professor or what they said, but I know how to do math. Yeah. So, and it's just funny how that, you, you know, oftentimes we want the, we want to take the shortcut and um, we've got to do what Uncle Tupelo says take the long cut <laughs> he goes hey baby i want to take the long cut with you <laughs> oh hey i wanted to ask so when you uh when you lined this up did you intentionally or or was it coincidentally uh lined up with the uh the christmas concert that we had before <laughs> I, I mean you know i can't <laughs> It was intentional, <laughs> but, um, you know, cause I have, uh, you know, four, we're going to do, we did Advent wreath, we did music. 
We're going to do uh, the Christmas tree this weekend. And then uh, on Christmas Eve in the morning, we'll do gifts. And Lindsay will be bringing that messages. Her one of her last sermons here at RPC. And then she'll be doing the 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. So that'll be a great gift. But I did. I, and I, you know, the, choosing music was intentional because it was on the glory of Christmas, Christmas concert. But it was also, I want to affirm our musicians, people who love music, like that it's not something, it's not a sideshow. It's not, it's not the cherry on top. It's part of the, the integral part of what we do here. And it's very important and that we strive for excellence and we try to do it well um, because it, it it's, it's not something extra or unspiritual. No, it is spiritual and it's essential to what we do in work. Oh, yeah. And I just think like sometimes we take it for granted. So it was this time like as a lover of music, I want to step back and go, why do I love music? You know, what's the theological kind of roots? Well, I hope nobody takes music for granted here because it is so well done. Yeah, uh, that, we we are we are so blessed with uh, the gifted people that we have. We absolutely do. John Perry, Betsy Homer, Trenton, Durham doing just a fantastic job. All our singers and musicians. Yeah. We had Ryan. We had over nine hundred people here in the sanctuary for Gloria Christmas, and then we had over a hundred folks uh, viewing it online live. That's not even who's the, the people who have watched it after the fact and stuff like that. So just music moves us, moves us. Yeah, yeah. So we are we are so blessed. And also, thank you for breaking down Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I had no idea that uh, it had, you know, evolved over time. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we don't we don't talk about the Welkin. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. So I had to look that up myself. <laughs> and it means the firmament, like the, um, the skies. OK. Um, and so. I I was like, oh. Uh, okay that's maybe why george whitfield got he's like we can we can improve upon this yeah <laughs> and and you know that too at one point uh you know a, a lot of people you know struggle with change uh you know we, we don't like this new hymn you know we want to go back to the to this old hymn but once upon a time hark the hero angel sing it was a new hymn so people had to you know struggle with it and, and learn how to sing it and you know adopt it and adapt it to uh to kind of fit what to what we have today so absolutely and i um yeah it's kind of an encouragement like ah, just to be open to to what god's going to bring to the world that we don't the tradition does not mean that we it's a dead faith but it's a living faith and it's and we're adapting and changing to the moment as god calls us forward i have a friend who goes to an Anglo-Catholic church. So it's part Episcopalian, Anglican, part Roman Catholic. And there's, it's complicated polity-wise, but anyway. Yeah. And, you know, they have a very, what we would call a very traditional worship service. And I was telling them, you know, at one point, we were we were arguing about, you know, what were appropriate songs to sing in worship and mod, compared modern and traditional and all this. And he says, well... In my church, we argue about what's modern and, and what's uh, more traditional. And that's what comes after the 16th century and before the 16th century. <laughs> and he's like, people are like, we cannot sing anything after the, that's written after the 16th century. And I was like, huh, that's a different ar argument about modern. <laughs> yeah, that's 
That's setting a new bar. So, you know, you, you, uh, everybody, we'll, we'll find stuff to argue about no matter what. But uh, I'm really, I feel blessed to be here at Roswell where we just have this fantastic musical program and uh, gifted, passionate folks uh, and a congregation who supports it, who shows up, who participates. And it's really exciting uh, and life-giving. So remind us again what you're uh, preaching about next Sunday. Yeah, uh, so this this Sunday will be uh, on the Christmas tree, and we're going to talk um, about where where Christmas trees come from, and we may talk a little bit about Jesus's family tree, um, and I think uh, that'll be kind of fun to uh, to explore uh, some of the uh, the the Jesse tree. You got you got that out there yes well that's yeah we're going to talk about the Je which actually i didn't know about the jesse tree until i've been doing my research preparing and um so we'll talk about that tradition <laughs> and, and uh and some of the more suspect characters in jesus's family which makes some of us like me feel better all right are you a real tree guy or a fake tree guy well i would prefer a fake tree but my family would prefer a real tree so you know right. how that goes yeah, we have so allergies in the house, so we uh, we we put up the uh, artificial. But they've gotten a lot better, right? I mean, I mean, like sometimes it's just hard to tell that they're a fake tree, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then you get to reuse it. You know, your people aren't getting allergies. There's much to be said for a fake tree. All right. So, like, last thing, Brian. Um, speaking of music, yeah. Do you know the Radiohead song "Fake Plastic Trees"? Yeah. Love that song. I do too. Love I think I have four Radiohead albums. Awesome. And of course, some of them are just the same song to a different tune. Like Morning Bell. I think they have like three or four different versions of that. Well, Tom York's got an active imagination. All right. So last thing, uh, I'm a congregational care pastor. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a congregational care question of, of you. All right, so you've got a you've got a third child on the way. Uh, as as the uh, you know main guy here, you're also trying to uh, make sure that uh, we finish the year strong. Uh, there's a cap, there's a um, strategic planning going on, and then uh, I don't know if you're aware or not, but Lindsay uh, is is going to leave us, uh, <laughs> which we're very excited for her. But everything that she has is going to land on your desk and you've got to reshuffle the deck and hand out things. But a lot of them are going to, you know, stick with you. So how how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, I, I feel really blessed, you know, in I've been here almost seven years. So I feel like I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. Uh, I've learned a lot from Lindsay. I mean, frankly. And so uh, if she was leaving, let's say a year after I got here, I'd be in like like DEFCON 5, you know, like, <laughs> I just know, watched panic, that movie the other day, panic attack, you know, like yeah. all that, but I feel confident. We, I, we have a really strong staff. You're now a part of it, bringing head of staff experience. Um, I, I'm really excited that we've got some folks that, you know, when Lindsay leaves, we're going to, we're super sad, but we're also, I mean, this speaks very highly of Roswell press and of her and her experience here that they would, uh, she'd be called to such a place as Kairos. But it also opens up areas for other people to grow, um, use their gifts and skills in new ways. Uh, we'll bring another associate pastor on to help with worship leadership and um, all the pastoral duties we have here. 
So I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I get to try some new things that I haven't, I've never done. I get to learn. And I think I never want to, I never want to feel like I figured it out. You know, like I always want to be like open to how God is calling me to grow and to serve and, um, you know, to help folks and spiritually minister. And so I'm excited what the future looks like. Um, and so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it'll be exciting. I think we'll all learn new things. Uh, yeah, I need to talk to you about a couple of those things, by the way, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I guess uh, if people are watching uh, uh, this this week, we want to make sure that uh, they're reminded to uh, register for her uh, going away luncheon. Yeah, which we'll have the congregational meeting after the 11 o'clock service, and then immediately following that in Alderman Hall, we'll have the lunch. Um, remind folks that uh, we have two morning Christmas Eve services at 9.30 and 10.45, and then Christmas Eve afternoon and evening, we have 3, 5, 7, 9, and 11. Carrie Weatherford will be leading the 3, 3 o'clock. Lindsay will be doing the 7 o'clock, uh, sorry, the 11 o'clock uh, 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 service, and then I'll be doing 5, 7, and 9. Um, and all of them will be in the sanctuary this year. So it's going to be a really great time. We've got some great uh, plans for all those services, and they're really fun. You really could come probably to all of them, and you would have a very different experience in each one because there's different elements that we move around and shift. So it's just a it's a, it's a a great day at RPC. And I'm glad you're looking, here for it. Looking forward to it. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Let's do this again soon. All right. All right, talk soon, see you soon.